0: get into our second to last week of the series Heroes and Villains. If you don't know me, my name's rick and I'm the campus pastor here. We're happy to have you. And we are into uh we're we're 4 weeks in and we're looking at Bible stories, of Bible heroes and Bible villains. And we're going to mo- today to look at a man's uh, by the uh, life of, of a man by the name of Barnabas. And Barnabas became an everyday ordinary hero. Now, it was prom night for many high school students on Friday night. Anybody see people out for prom? Where's Andrew, when's your prom? You don't know. You're not going. Are you going to your prom? You're not going. Who thinks Andrew should go to his, his grade school? Oh, yeah. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of pressure. You should definitely go to prom. <laughs> When I, was in, when I was graduating high school back in 1998, Amanda and I had been dating for a number of years, and we had to decide, were we going to go to prom or not? And Andrew, I was like you, I don't want to go to my prom. But Amanda wanted to go to her prom and so i said sure let's go to prom we'll get all they didn't have like prom proposals and like videos and all these things back then we just said we we're gonna go and so i got her flowers and i don't know i can't remember if we were matching or whatever but we we went out and her school spared no expense at the venue they found the classiest polish hall legion that they could find <laughs> And uh, we had we had a, a, g- a great a great night at the old Polish hall, and and by by the end of the night, Amanda doesn't like wearing any kind of heel. She's definitely a, a running shoes and jeans kind of girl. But at uh, that night, she had some kind of heel on, and her feet were killing her. And I thought, okay, this is this is prom. You're supposed to be romantic. I am going to carry her out of prom because her feet are. J- and I'm ripped, right? So this is not gonna be hard. So I, I pick her up and we're and and we're walking out to my my Geo Metro, the three-cylinder, as I can whisk her home, and we get to what I didn't realize was a curb. <laughs> what I thought was because I'm carrying her, like I can't see my feet, right? I'm not saying anything about Amanda. I'm just saying when there's a body there, you can't see anything. So as I step down, and I, I have weak ankles, I will mention that. So as, as I'm I'm carrying a person and being romantic, with eyes fixed on the geo, just kind of counting my steps, I can do this, I can do this, and I stepped down, and I not only went over once on my ankle, and then I twisted her, and then, then I went over a second time on my ankle, fell to the ground, ripped my jeans, or ripped my pants, bleeding, sprained my ankle, and twisted her back on my way out of prom. That was so Andrew you need to go to prom cuz it's yeah <laughs> it's a magical experience that that you just that you just you can never replace and Amanda had a back injury she still has back problems today we're not quite certain if that was all due to due to me on that night needless to say I did not feel much like a hero on those nights on that night and you know what it's not easy to be a hero and as we've gone through our last 4 weeks We've looked at some of these people and we're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not Samson, and I'm, I'm not the giant villain either. I, I'm not someone that's going to ruin the world or save the world. It's hard to imagine ourselves in these giant roles at some times because we know ourselves and we know we're actually not all that heroic. Like, when's the last time that you would say, yeah, I did something truly heroic? Could you even... Say for yourself, yeah, this was, this was something that I did that I would classify myself as a hero. Most of us, not, not really, right? It's usually a lot easier for us to envision ourselves if you're a, a comic book person. You can imagine yourself as Peter Parker, the, the bumbly guy that can't win the girl that nobody seems to like. We can see ourselves in that role when we mess up much more than we could see ourselves as Spider-Man jumping on different buildings and saving the world. But this week, we want to take a break from looking at the superheroes of the Bible, and the supervillains on the extremes, and we want to look at the ordinary, everyday hero of the Bible, and his name is Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is a little-known New Testament Bible character, and many people sitting in church this morning, you probably don't know who Barnabas is, and if you do know who Barnabas is, you might recognize the name, but you don't necessarily recognize what he did or remember what He did, and much less would you expect to find him in a series when we're talking about superheroes. He was an ordinary person who, what we're going to say, became an everyday hero. He lived a life that impacted the world by making one small intentional decision, or a number of intentional decisions, I guess. And he was a great inspiration for us this morning because we can see ourselves in the life of barnabas but before we get there i want us to watch a global news clip which the tech guys wanted us to watch a few minutes earlier we're going to watch a global news clip of what they called an everyday hero of uh, of uh, of, uh, of an artist named jb and he invested into a guy by the name of matt black let's watch the global news clip from just a little while ago
1: Matt Black knows a thing or two about change. He went from living on the streets to owning his own recording studio. As Allison Bushnick reports, he's now channeling his talent to inspire homeless youth. I was kicked that when I was 15, literally having a Homeless and alone, Matt Black searched for food and a place to sleep. Either stairwells, uh, parks. I have even slept in people's cars in the driveway, uh, waking up in the morning before they got up for work. The only options that seemed to be uh, presented to me were gangs and, and drugs. What kept him going was his music. Nine years on the street, struggling to survive and watching friends die, took its toll. Matt had lost hope. He decided he would play one final gig, and later that night, he would end his life. When I was done, I was gonna go to a hotel and do whatever it took. This is that performance.
0: But um, as I stepped off the stage, um, JB was there.
1: Matt had no idea that in the audience was JB, a Canadian hip-hop mogul who's also a record label owner. JB was impressed by Matt's talent. Right away, JB gave Matt a place to live and access to a recording studio. just know that you see something in somebody, and it's got to take that chance for people sometimes. His belief in me, like, you know, no doubts whatsoever, it, like, changed something in my brain in that moment. And then I knew that the universe had other plans. Two years later, Matt was a homeowner with a successful recording studio of his own, but it wasn't enough. So he started Heroes in Black, a not-for-profit that changes the lives of homeless youth. Our main goal is to rebuild, inspire, and employ homeless youth. They hold hero training, connecting youth with entrepreneurs. The goal to find out what a young person wants to do and make it happen. This initiative is called Hunger Heroes, Every month, giving out free food and clothing, thanks to Ontario-based, hero-certified burgers.
0: Not only does he do things that are great, he inspires others to do great, and I think that's the most heroic thing you can do.
1: Do we know yeah. which that we're gonna that? In less than three years, Heroes in Black has helped close to 50 homeless youth find a job, and they have fed close to 3,000 people, and they're expanding. This is my calling, and I'm not here for it. Matt says JB changed his life. And now Matt is giving hope and empowering homeless youth. That's why Matt Black is our everyday
0: hero. Isn't that a cool story of an artist like JB looking at one person saying, hey, I can invest in you and let me see what happens. And then him, um, Matt, passing it on to other people, changing the lives of countless people. And listen, we have a tendency to... Limit our understanding of what a hero is. We think a hero is somebody that changes the world by big initiatives and impacts thousands of people. When all of a sudden we can see that JB's decision that night changed Matt Black's life and is now in turn changing the lives of countless street youth and in changing the lives of people who are donating to this and participating in this. A heroic decision to say, hey, I'm going to believe the best in you and take a chance on you. And very few of us, truth be told, will ever have the chance that one decision that we make will impact thousands? Probably not. But every one of us has an opportunity to make a decision that will impact the world of one person, and we have no idea what impact that decision will have going forward. And we forget that we can be heroes. Gavin and I were talking about the classic story of an uh, everyday hero er, earlier. its I don't know if you've heard this story, but there's it's, it's told that there's a man walking on the beach beside the ocean and just covered in starfish, thousands of starfish. He's walking along and he's picking one up and throwing it in, taking a few more steps, grabbing another and throwing it in. And somebody laughs at him and says, what, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the starfish back. And he said, look around, there's tens of thousands, there's no way you'll ever make a difference. And as he picks another one up and throws it in, he says, yeah, but it makes a difference to that one. And if we all we can see is the big picture if we think, man, I can't stop world hunger. You're right, but I can change the life of one person today and help feed one person. I, I can't stop depression. Depression is this big thing that, that's sweeping across our culture. Yeah, but I can go and visit one person who's down and just needs encouragement today. And this morning's message is none other than this, is each of us has the opportunity to be an everyday hero going forward today. We have opportunities to make heroic decisions if we would look for chances. And we're going to look at the life of Barnabas and pull out some principles. So let's go to Acts chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible and you want to borrow one this morning, you can slip up your hand. One of our ushers will make sure you get a copy of our Bibles to borrow. You can follow along in the app as well. We're going to bounce around the book of Acts, actually. So you may want to have your Bible and just be flipping through. But we are first introduced to Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, verses 36. And here's how it introduces us to Barnabas. It says, Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. Many times they would have multiple names, they have different meanings. So this is Barnabas, who was a Levite, and his name means son of encouragement. Now, a little history, a little background on this. You need to know that as a Levite, Barnabas was part of the tribe of Israel who were to assist the priests in the temple, going, across, uh, going around doing their duties of offering worship. It, it, it used to be that only the priests would offer worship for behalf of, of everyone in fact if you don't know the name portico we changed the name portico because that was the only place on the temple where everybody could come and worship and everybody could come and participate everything else was just left for the priest but there was the portico where everybody could come and that's why we changed the name because we didn't want it to be about the staff or the elders the those who we would deem as modern day priests leading and offering worship no this was about a community leading that's why we'll have uh, Stuart come and lead or, or anyone come and lead this isn't about those whom have been set apart so uh, Barnabas was a part of those set apart, and he was what they would call a Hellenist, which was the name given to those who were Israelites but were foreign-born. And because he was born outside of Israel, he was considered like um, a foreigner kind of with half of the rights. And the Hellenists didn't speak any Aramaic. They, were, they would have picked up some customs and cultures that were that were not Jewish, and there was hostility between the native-born Jews and the Hellenists. So Barnabas wasn't even allowed to serve in the temple like the rest of the of his fellow Levites were from the tribe of, of, of Levi. He only could participate in some of the duties. So here's a guy, given a role, not able to do his role because of some circumstances in his life, where he was born, people's opinions of him. He would have felt limited in his capacity to have big influence, yet he rises to this level of hero. And what we want to do is we want to look at three characteristics that drove him from just being an everyday, ordinary guy to an everyday, ordinary hero. So if you're taking notes, you can fill in your blanks on your phone or whether you're doing it by pen and paper, you've got your notes in your bulletins there. The first one is this, that an everyday hero believes the best in others. So Barnabas, he's a church leader in Jerusalem, but a lot of those who who, who weren't Jewish, um, they, they started to accept Christianity. So this is after Jesus had come, preached, died, resurrected, gone back up to heaven. All these people that all of a sudden for the first time had never heard about this God of Israel, this Jehovah, this Jesus now who came as God's son, died, went back to earth. They started hearing this message for the first time and they started believing and saying, hey, we want this, to, we believe this. Thing. And, and the, the disciples began preaching that this message was not only for Israel, but it's for everybody. Meaning in our context now, we see this happening too, right? That there's people who weren't of Christian faith, they hear about Christianity and they come to Christ. And they're like, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. So the, so the disciples choose Barnabas to go and lead that group, lead that campus, shall we say, over in Antioch, which is where modern-day Syria is. And things start going really well, and a lot of people start coming to Christian faith, and so they decide that Barnabas needs an assistant. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to hire, or you've been given the privilege of hiring an assistant for your job, but how do you do it? Like, you post on Workopolis, and you get all these resumes and some of them stand out some of them stand out for the wrong reasons and then and then and then you're like not interviewing those people I'm, i m- whenever mike's hiring jobs here you get like thousands of resumes for te- teaching jobs are that competitive and there's a, there's thousands of resumes that come in and you've got to sift through to get like you're only going to be able to interview a certain number so you're going to look for the top the ones that stand out and you're going to and you're you're going to hire those right here at Portico, we hired Colin as an intern because he was local and close, and he said he needed money, so we took him in. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, we'll take anyone, really. But <laughs> Barnabas gets the chance to hire an assistant, and he decides he's going to partner with a guy called Saul. Now, some of you have read the New Testament, and you know who Saul is. He was a murderer. That would have been one of the first things on Saul's resume. I killed Christians. In fact, I not only killed Christians, I rallied other people to kill Christians, and I had them go on a killing tour from city to city, and we would arrest them and kill them. That was one of the things that I did. Now, I've backed off of that lately, so I'm now more... And I've claimed to actually... Uh, repented of those ways, and, and now I'd like to help the church. And Barnabas goes, that's my assistant. I want, I want to bring Saul along to become my assistant as I start this church in Antioch. We read this, Acts chapter 9, verse 27. But Barnabas took him, this is Saul, and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And, and, and Saul, Saul met God on the way to Damascus where he was going to kill people. And, and, and so Barnabas decides, I want you. Now why on earth would he look at this guy and say, I want you? And this adds context to our, sto- to our story of the everyday hero because he had, he had seen something different about Saul than everybody else had seen about Saul. And he chooses to believe the best in Saul rather than the worst in Saul. Now what would it take for you to believe in the good that you've seen in people rather than the bad that you've seen in people. Think about it. All of us know people, and they have good things, and they have bad things, and oftentimes their mistakes, their shortcomings, their failures are the things that stick out to us, and we go, I can't trust that person because A, B, and C. Even though we full well know there's been D, E, and F, good things that they've done, it's been the things and the areas where they've let us down that make us go, I don't believe in that person anymore. They've let me down. I can't trust them. I'm not going to hire them. I'm not going to be there. I don't want them as my assistant. I don't want them on my team. I don't want them in my circle, maybe even in our families. We do that where we we begin to separate ourselves. What would it take for you to believe the best in people rather than believing in the mistakes that you have seen them? God has proven himself faithful, but at times, even God seems to let us down, doesn't he? We say, I prayed and that never happened. What would it take for you to believe the best in God rather than the times where you feel God let you down? What would it take for you to believe the best in your spouse even though your spouse may have let you down? Barnabas becomes a hero. You know why? Because he sees the best. He goes, I know that there are times when I'm going to feel let down and I know that there's things that Saul has done that let others down, but I see what God is doing in him. I see the change and the repentance that's happened and I'm going to see past the failure and look towards the good. And Saul never becomes the hero of the New Testament. If you know New Testament history, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament, the book of Corinthians, the book of Philippians, the book of Galatians, the book of Romans, the letters to Timothy. That's all Saul writing these letters. He starts churches all over Eastern Europe. He's the one responsible for spreading the Christian message as as it tracks across the globe. Never happens if Barnabas doesn't go, I believe the best in you rather than believing in your failures and your shortcomings. And later on in his life, we see, we see this pattern repeated in Barnabas's life. He does the same thing for a guy called John Mark, even though this is, this is a beautiful story. We've got, we've got Saul and Barnabas now going out. They're going to go on one of these, these evangelistic preaching journeys, and they say, who are we going to take? And Barnabas goes, I want to take along John Mark, because John Mark's a good guy. I believe in him. And Saul goes, no, no. John Mark left us last time. We were halfway across, the, they, were, they were traveling across land, they were traveling across the sea, and he, and he goes, I don't trust John Mark, I don't believe in him, we're not taking him. Could you imagine Barnabas going, I, excuse me, murderer, who I brought over here, I believe the best in you, how come we can't believe the best in John Mark? And it says, when we read in, um, w- when we read in Acts, it says that there was such a sharp disagreement between them that they parted ways, and Saul decided to take Silas, But Barnabas believes the best in John Mark, and off they go. And believing the best in others is no small act. It is a truly heroic act to believe the best. There's a story of Jack Welch. I don't know if you know his story. He's the former CEO of General Electric. He led the company for more than two decades, and under his leadership, the company rose in value 4,000%. And his first entrance into the company, he's given a small factory to take, to take charge of. And they're, they're, they're leading this pilot project. And General Electric, of course, they do appliances, they do energy, they do all kinds of things. And he's leading this project called Kaboom. And it's this test project. And, and as only poetic justice could have its way, the whole factory that he was leading went kaboom and <laughs> exploded blew up the factory, blew up all of the, all the, the contents, ruined everything. So he's summoned to the head offices of GE in New York. And he's like, I'm going to be fired, I'm going to be sued, everything's going to happen. And as he sits down in front of these executives, the first question they ask them is, they said, what did you learn? <laughs> the second question they ask them is, what wouldn't you do again? And Jack Welch becomes the CEO of that corporation. They rise to heights they would never have risen to if somebody didn't believe the best in Jack. And there are people who may change the world, but they will never get that opportunity unless you or I give them the second chance. Who is it in your life that is just waiting for somebody to believe the best in them? They're, they're ready to launch into the next phase of what they have. Whether it's, whether it's a family member and you're like, I'm just not allowing them to be the role that they could in my family. Like, this, isn't, this isn't just in business life. This Somebody in your family could be the one that rallies family together, that starts hosting things, but nobody believes in them. Nobody says, yeah, we're going to let them step into their role. Maybe we've done that with family. Maybe you do have people that report to you in your job, and you're looking at someone and go, that person has some potential, but wow, they mess up a lot. Maybe they're waiting for you to believe in them. We could change the world by becoming an everyday hero by giving someone a second chance. Listen, we are invested in this process as a church, as well we say the only way we're going to grow in volunteers and leaders and then the only way we're going to grow our church is if those who are serving look around and say i need somebody alongside me because it's not just about me doing it. there's probably somebody else that's gifted and i'm going to ask them to journey with me and learn what i do we call it our apprenticeship pathway and we see lives joined together one-to-one and say we're serving alongside each other we're figuring out what it means to serve the church and serve christ's mission in the world and an everyday hero sees past the mistake, and believes the best in others. I want to read for you, as we close this point, 1 Corinthians 13. And this is often a chapter that we read at weddings, and we hear read at weddings. I'm going to read it out of the the message version, which is a paraphrase, but it's kind of a more eloquent way. It's, It's one guy's take on what the scriptures are saying, and he's kind of put it into some cool wording for us. But I'm going to read a portion out of 1 Corinthians 13 about loving and believing the best in others. Here's what it says. When we believe the best in others... We love them, and love never gives up. Love cares more for others than it does for self. Love doesn't strut. it's, It's not arrogant, right? It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others, so it doesn't count the mistakes. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best. Love that. It never looks back, but it keeps going to the end. Everyday heroes believe the best in other people. Second thing is this, love, 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 um, everyday heroes live selflessly. If Barnabas was the one who gave Saul the chance and fought his case to the apostles and sent him on his way, he's the one that did all this, right? Then how come most people who are introduced to the Bible know who Paul is, Saul or Paul, but you don't know who Barnabas is? It's because Barnabas never was worried about taking credit. It was about other people. And when you read the Bible and ancient texts, here's one thing to take note of. The way that people's names are listed, the order that they're listed in, that often or that always um, indicates who had prominence. Who was the dominant one in the work that they were doing? They'll list the main author first. They'll list the dominant one. They'll list the main leader first. If if, If you look at the list of disciples in Matthew chapter 10, whose names would you expect to be there? We know here's the way that they're listed. Simon, who's Peter, andrew and then james and john luke if you go to luke chapter 6 if he when he lists the disciples there were 12 disciples but the ones whom the story focuses on it's peter andrew james and john when we go to mark all mark lists is peter james and john first they list the others but they list those names first why they took dominance preeminence in the story we do it with couples all the time too you will more likely check this for yourself when you're, re- when you're referring to another couple, you will more likely refer to the one whom you have a more stronger relationship with, or the one that you met first. That's who you'll refer to first. Is it Andrew and Nora, or Nora and Andrew? <laughs> if you met Nora first, it may be Nora and Andrew for you. But no, it's definitely not. Is it, is it Bob and Trudy, or Trudy and Bob? <laughs> see we do that the wherever whomever we put have the closer relationship with where whoever we know first we put their name first now if you go to the book of acts the first five instances where barnabas and paul are listed together it says barnabas and saul barnabas and saul barnabas and saul five times you get to acts 13 and 42 you see a switch paul takes preeminence and from that point forward, we don't read Barnabas' name again. He was still doing missionary journeys. He was still leading the church. He was one that was set up as an apostle for the early church. We don't hear about him because he lived a selfless life. He didn't care who got the credit. He was like, this is about God's mission. This isn't about me. And he was a true hero because everyday heroes don't need accolades. They do work in humility. They were, Barnabas was just as responsible for the success that Paul ever was but he never needed to be recognized. This is how Jesus taught us, right? He said Mark, in Mark 9 and 35, he called the 12 and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be last and must be the servant of all. When we want to be an everyday hero, we serve into what somebody else is doing rather than what we're doing. We see this in other areas of Barnabas' life. He was a generous guy who lived selflessly. In Acts 4 and 36, this is again in chapter 4, our first introduction to Barnabas. You know what he's doing? After they say he 's a Levite they what we find him doing is we see him selling his property for the church now i 've never had an experience like this as a pastor, but if you want to sell your home and and give it to the church, Dwayne will shave his head if you if you, if you if you you sell your no we we don 't like to focus too much on money but but we know here that great leaders care more about what God calls us to do with our money. Everyday heroes care more about what the Spirit of God is, is telling us to do with our money than what our BMO advisor tells us to do with our money. And paying off debt is super important, and so is beginning RESPs for our kids, or if you're on a different phase, so is investing into our RSPs when our kids leave and forget about us. But we, All those things are important, but sacrificially giving to the church so that God's Word is preached... So community outreach happens, so people's lives are continually changed as they find their way back to God. Dare I say that's more important than making sure we have an RESP and an RRSP set up. Both are important, but we see this everyday hero going, you know what, I'm even selling my home and my property because I care that much about the work that God is doing. Summer's coming, and it's funny how we see this phenomenon. As church attendance goes down, people are away at their cottage, people are away on, on holidays, vacation. Our offerings go down too. And we make direct payments available because we know that most time, people get in the habit, when we're here, we give, because it's like, oh, I'm reminded I should be giving. But then when we're away, we forget. You know why? Because our giving's not intentional. Our giving is, I give, I give when I'm here. One of the truly heroic things that Barnabas did was, I'm going to be intentional of how I'm giving. I'm going to make a plan to strategically give, not so that I look good, but so that God's mission and God's church goes forward. And please remember, when I speak on this, I speak to me as well, because I get my salary from the church, but then I have the privilege of giving 10% back of what I give, too. And we have the I actually have it set up so it comes out direct deposit, so I don't—I get this little email at 801 on the 15th and the 30th, and I'm like, look, I think I just tithed. <laughs> and it comes... It comes out that way because I, I, they, we could set it up that, well, why don't you just deduct what you want to give from your salary? No, because I want to be intentional about what I'm giving and become the, and follow the example that Barnabas did, just like all of uh, everyone who attends church has the opportunity to. And everyday heroes live selflessly. They don't care about who gets the credit. They're not looking to build up our own bank accounts and our own kingdoms, but we want to build up the kingdom of God. The reflection question for you is, what would change about your life if you woke up tomorrow morning and your only focus was on selflessness? Your focus wasn't on you. Your focus was on others. That might be the change in the story of Barnabas that God is calling you to today, that an everyday hero lives selflessly. Okay, last one. Everyday heroes. They live selflessly. They believe the best in others. They're also led by the Spirit. And we read the description of how Barnabas' peers viewed him. And here's, here's how they wrote it down in Acts 11 and 24. It says that he was a good man, he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You know, what I get introduced, it's more, it sounds a little more like this. Here's Rick. He likes to run. He's kind of funny. <laughs> That's normally how I get introduced. We look at Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And then right after that, and a lot of people were brought to the Lord because of what Barnabas was doing. What would it take for people to describe you in that way? I think the words that we would need to speak would be constant encouragement, never tearing people down, never tearing ourselves down, never complaining, It would always be encourager. You remember what Barnabas' name meant when we go back to Acts four, son of encouragement. He was gracious. He was kind. He gave everything. He believed the best in other people. He gave people chances that definitely did not deserve chances, but he gives them a chance. I think that's what it would take for people to say, that guy's full of the Holy Spirit. That, that's that's a good lady. Barnabas would go, or Paul would go on to write all these letters to the New Testament describing the attributes. He says, here's how you need to live. Do you know how he would describe it? He described the very attributes that he saw in the life of Barnabas, the one who believed in him. In Galatians 5 and 25, Paul's saying, here's how you need to live. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. You know who he learned that from? The guy who gave him the chance that they said, that guy's full of the Holy Spirit. He would go on to write to the Romans. He would say, those who are led by the Spirit, they're the children of God. Where did he learn that? He learned that from Barnabas, the guy that took him on the journey. The most encouraging thing in this story of an everyday hero for me is that it's achievable today. (laughs) I can walk out and become an everyday hero. I look at Samson and I go, I am never going to be strong and pushing down temple poles and killing off rival evil americans or philistines (laughs) i am never going to be samson i hope i'm never the picture of evil i won't say her name because never mind i (laughs) i hope i'm never the picture of evil like that story we read the first day i hope i'm never going to be that but I could be Barnabas, man. (laughs) I could go out and believe the best in someone else. I could go out and live selflessly, not care who gets the credit, give for God's mission. I could be led by the Spirit today. Some of us, we're gonna do that. We're gonna go, we're gonna forgive somebody and go believe the best in other people. Some of us, we're we're gonna give intentionally in a different way. We're gonna live selflessly. But this last one, a lot of you are saying, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? I wanna do that. I don't know what that means, but I would love to do that. This last one is living a life that demonstrates God's spirit in you. And sometimes that may feel just as unattainable as being Samson. We don't feel that we're educated in the Bible enough. We don't feel good enough to have people see God in us. I want you to read Acts 2 this week when you go home. Because the very descriptor of the disciples... They said, who are these guys? They're ordinary and uneducated people, but I see the Spirit of God in them. And this, we talked about this at the end of last service last week. The Spirit of God is, is love, showing love. It's showing joy. It's having peace when you shouldn't have peace, when your work is crazy, <laughs> your life is crazy, but you have peace. It's being self-controlled when you want to go off the hand. There's a whole list of things you, you can do a whole study but the very descriptor of the disciples were that they were ordinary, uneducated people. Do you ever think what they might have read at the eulogy when Barnabas passed away? Here's a story I think they would have read. This was written out by, um, written out by uh, another, another preacher, but we're going to read it here as we close. Here's what they may have said in Barnabas' eulogy. Do you ever, I think... What Barnabas's funeral must have been like was like this. A man gets up to speak, and it's the Apostle Paul. And everybody nudges each other because, wow, that's Paul. He's famous. He says, I persecuted the church. I put followers of Jesus to death and in prison, and nobody trusted me. No one would touch me. But then Barnabas came along, and he put his arm around me and said, I'll vouch for him. I stand before you today because of Barnabas. You could be an everyday hero today. Take a chance on someone. Then John Mark gets up. He's an old man by now and people nudge each other. He wrote one of the gospels. He's famous. He says, the truth about me is I was a quitter. I'd run away from Jesus and ministry, but Barnabas, he wouldn't give up on me. He saw something in me. I don't know why or I don't know what, but he took me under his wings and said, I'll vouch for him. I'm here today because of a man named Barnabas. Then a Greek guy from Antioch gets up and says, I was so lost It wasn't even funny. And then I heard about Jesus, and I wanted in. I didn't know about the law, and I didn't know about the Bible. I could never be Jewish. I didn't fit in with church. But then Barnabas came along, and he said that Jesus came for a guy just like me. And he put his arm around me and said, I'll vouch for him. I'm here today because of Barnabas. Some of us need to go and find people that the church would often go, you don't fit in here, and go, yes, you do. (laughs) I'm going to be your everyday hero and introduce you to Jesus. Then an old widow stands up. Nobody nudges anybody because she's not famous. She says, I lost everything when my husband died. I had no income. I had young children. I didn't know if I'd make it. And then Barnabas came along and he quietly sold his property so that I could have something to live on so that I could feed my children. The church supported me like no one else. I'm here today because of Barnabas. Some of us are going to choose to do that today and say, I'm going to invest into God's kingdom in a way like I never have before. You'll be an everyday hero. People may never even know. Just as Heather's playing softly, I'm just going to ask us to take a moment quietly and reflect. Close our eyes. God, I believe that every person here has somebody in their life that needs somebody to take a chance on them, that needs somebody to not care who gets the credit, but just allow them to thrive and allow them to rise up. That is waiting for somebody to sacrificially give so that they would have. God, there are people here today that have never known what it means to live every day led by the Spirit, but this week they're going to try it. (laughs) They're going to try listening to the voice inside of them. They're going to try living out the attributes, love, joy, peace. And when they ask for that ability, you're going to supernaturally do something We can't even describe it. We can't even understand it fully, but we know that you do something that we can't do on our own. You give us peace when we shouldn't. You give us joy when we shouldn't. So God, put a name on our hearts right now of a person that we're going to become an everyday hero from. For. Spirit, we believe you're speaking right now. That's why we come to church so we can block out other distractions. We, we could meet with you anywhere, but we come here to focus. And we believe right now what's happening is you're speaking supernaturally names of people that they're going to pour into. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in and amongst us today. God, I pray you give us the courage to f- live it out Boldness to say things that maybe we would never have boldness to say. God, help us to take the chance, become an everyday hero. Thank you, Jesus. We ask this all in your name. Amen.